Welcome to Season 3 of Game Design Unboxed on the No Direction Network. Daniel Reynolds talks to tabletop game designers about the games they've made. Together, they unbox how the game went from inspiration to publication. Thank you for joining me, Danielle, for Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 61, Lanterns, The Harvest Festival. Today, we are joined by Chris Chung, the designer of Spell Smashers, the My Little Pony deck building game, and of course, the spotlight, Lanterns, The Harvest Festival. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Danielle. Of course. No, I'm happy to have you on the show and to talk about Lanterns, because that actually was one of my entry games into gaming. Granted, it was the roll and write version, but still. That's really cool. Well, here, uh, for anyone who doesn't know you, how did you get into becoming a game designer? So it's kind of a fluke story. Um, I actually designed a game in my head when I was sleeping um, back in 2012. I realized that I was still, you know, relatively asleep. But I was having one of those, I guess you could say lucid dreams, that I was playtesting a game and it was fun. I played it with friends and family. And then when I woke up in the morning, I I said, okay, let's write everything I could remember from that game and try to turn it into a game. Of course, not every detail was captured, but I got the core essence of it. Fast forward to about a year later, um, I was working on the game on and off, you know, had it in my back pocket, and I decided to take it to a local game convention because I've been testing it at Snakes and Lattes, and so far so good, but, you know, I could get a little bit more exposure that way if I brought yeah. it to a, a convention, right? And I met other people like that I still am friends with, uh, Jay Cormier, Central Lim, great designers, uh, Josh Capel, I met back then, and uh, amazing artist before he's a publisher and they all told me that uh, chris you have a lot of game design potential and this game sucks and yep oh. <laughs> i realized it too um, but they were right because uh, the game unfortunately just had so much going on it was a um, not, not something that i was proud of but at least it gave me the forward momentum to work on something more manageable and then i decided on uh, approaching lighter games and that's how i ended up making lanterns okay and for anyone who hasn't played lanterns the harvest festival how do you play the game yeah it's a uh, tile placement game for two to four players and it's family weight game so ultimately on your turn what you're doing is you're playing seat tiles on a, a beautiful table so that you can generate some lanterns for you and your opponents uh, that might be all hunky-dory but you're going to try to score your lanterns before your opponents do uh, so when you play your tile to the table, each direction of the tile that you place is a four-sided tile. You're going to give a lantern of that color to your opponents. So not only are you helping yourself get lanterns that match your side of the tile, but also you're helping your, your opponents on your turn. So you kind of have to decide what's more beneficial for you as well as them. Um, and then um, it's all about scoring points. Um, so it's a nice entry-level game. Um, great for someone who's uh, very interested in playing dominoes, but yeah, tired of dominoes. And then uh, uh, using some elements like from like Ticket to Ride and uh, Carcassonne specifically. Very cool. Yeah, I always like the fact that strategically you could place like similar colors next to it or same colors next to each other, get additional cards, but then pointing it towards different people. If it like starts to run low on like a certain color, you could be like, oh, I'm going to point that towards like my mom and then my mom's just going to hate me and I'm just going to be okay with it and laugh. Exactly. It's one of those uh, (laughs) games where you can be deceptively nice for sure. Exactly. And so what inspired you to design that game particularly? So back when I was starting up my 
for quote unquote game design career, uh, I joined a game jam out of a um, video game co-working space that I was a part of called Bento Miso up here in Toronto. And basically, we had 48 hours to design whatever game we wanted to uh, way back in 2014 now, 2013. Well, that's a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, the goal was to make any game for me. And so when I decided to join up, I was probably one of the only ones who wanted to come up with a board game which you know so be it uh, i can't code for my life and to this day i still can't code for my life uh so video games were out of question uh but for a board game you know i was since i was in that space it was manageable for me so one of the prompts that they had for designers to utilize if they wanted to was the theme of perspective and uh i just sat there for the first couple of hours just how do I turn perspective into a board game? Like, are you talking about like an introspective um, vision is the character that you're playing or like, you know, what's going on? And then when I started thinking around with shapes on Microsoft publisher, which I still use uh, as affinity publisher actually, but got used to it back then. Anyways, I was thinking around with shapes and I settled on, okay, I really like Carcassonne. Let's use a four-sided tile. Sure. And then I started thinking about themes. I started thinking about, okay, what should tiles look like in this game? And I should say they have colors on them. Perfect. And then when I started thinking about colors, I started thinking about flowers. So Blossom took shape about 24 hours into the game jam. And on the very next day, I prototyped it, played it with uh, my friends over there, and they loved it. And I was like, uh-oh, something's right here. Uh, usually that doesn't happen to a first-time prototype. But from the game jam itself back in 2014, uh, Lanterns was about 75% done. Um, so it was just about fine-tuning there and you know, playtesting over and over just to make sure we have the scoring rights. But ultimately, the goal of placing your tiles and giving everyone uh, lantern that faces them that came out of that game jam so i was really happy with it very cool and when did you switch over from blossoms to lanterns that was a decision by the publisher so i met with um randy hoyt who's the uh, uh founder of foxtrot games and he was kickstarting a um a game of his own called relic expedition at that point and basically over a long series of twitter conversations i had semi pitched a game prototype to him uh basically he got the um his son to play test an, another idea of mine um and ultimately they took the time to prototype that um played it and i was like yeah would you like to play publish this game and he was like no but if you have anything else to show me please let me know so in concurrence with that i had lantern sitting on my shelf because it was rejected over and over probably about five to six times i i want to estimate purely because of the flower theme everyone liked the the gameplay but they couldn't get it over that you know flowers doesn't sell or is a kind of a boring theme that's so funny because now there's so many nature games okay exactly right so back then you know we didn't have that foresight we could have been the uh you know the the groundbreaking game for it but alas um anyways randy said you know do you have this uh another game and i showed him lanterns 
And after a week of communication, he said he loved it with one caveat that he'll publish it with a different theme. And I was like, all right, a yes is a yes. I'm going to be a little spurned by that, but yeah. you know, I'll work with it. So in playtesting, he has stripped out all the references to flowers and bouquets, what I had in the game, to make them just colors. And when he showed him uh, it to his uh, own group of playtesters, they all said it was serene, calm, inviting, really nice and friendly. And he thought about the scene from Tangled, uh, about the boat and the two characters. Yeah, the like, paper the lanterns thing. and stuff. Exactly. That, yeah, that they let go so, of. It all worked. Uh, and also the um, cross-pollination that I'm Chinese as well. It, it all made sense to me. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm glad it worked out. Very cool. And were there any other development changes when it got brought over to Foxtrot? I think one of the biggest ones was also scoring in wild tokens. Because in my game version with Blossom, I had wild flowers. But he was really adamant that uh, wildflowers or wild colors shouldn't be in it where you had to work for um, your wild colors. So in the game of lanterns, you could spend two uh, favorite tokens where you get during the course of the game to spend one lantern that you don't necessarily want at that moment for a lantern you do need. And that was the transition from going over to a, a basic wild color that you would normally get. Gotcha. And then how would players receive that favor token during the game? Yeah, you- when you play a uh, lantern tile that has a platform on it, that's a cute little picture. Uh, there are some with tigers uh, because they're really big in cultural um, in, in Chinese culture. Uh, pandas and fish. Uh, you mm-hmm. could gain a favorite token. And the neat thing about the favorite tokens in the game are not only are they cool wooden uh, bits, but uh, Randy really liked the the cultural connection that I had with the game. That he decided to use my last name in Chinese as the favorite token symbol. So it's almost like oh, I'm the so emperor cool. of the game. Yeah, exactly. So oh, when I showed cool. my um, uh, game final version to my grandma, uh, she was like, oh, that's you. That's us. So I was like, yep, that's that's us. <laughs> oh my god, that's so cool. I love when I hear little things like that. Mm-hmm. How did it end up kind of, I guess, getting, was it co-published by Renegade or how did that part work too? Mm-hmm. So I don't know the entire story, but uh, what's funny enough was that I had a connection with Scott from a speed dating event uh, back in uh, at Gen Con. I can't remember, 2015, 2016. Uh, but when uh, I showed him a few games, we had talked and he gave me his business card, but we didn't really discuss lanterns because it was a game that Randy had. Yeah. While that Randy was um, kickstarting lanterns because he was a small publisher, he wanted to take it to Kickstarter to receive funds. Scott saw that on Kickstarter and offered Randy the chance to distribute it. So me not knowing this was happening in the background, uh, I was blown away that Renegade wanted to take this on as well. So kind of they share the same responsibilities uh, um, where Renegade had the distribution channels because Scott came from Ultra Pro. He decided to take on the the bulk of the work for Randy and then Randy helped me uh, develop the game further. And so, yeah, they split 50-50 basically. And that's how I got involved with Renegade. And that worked out well because now I have a working relationship with Renegade with both My Little Pony and Spell Smashers. 
So it all worked out in the end. No, that's so cool. I love when those like weird interconnections happen. So I was curious how it happened. Mm-hmm. And then there have now been three Lantern games. There's also the Lantern's Emperor's Gift, also Lantern's Dice, Lights in the Sky, which was the one that I played initially. How did those come to be? And I know you're not the designer of any of them, but did you have input? Like, how did all that part work? Yeah, so back when um, they were both pitched to me, basically uh, Lanterns was doing so well that they wanted to explore the thought of expansion. But at that time, I was not really necessarily interested in working on expansions just because I thought Lanterns yeah. was a great enough game that I said, huh, what does it actually need? And I couldn't actually put my mind on it. So when the designer, um, Jason Kingsley, came over, or sorry, Chris, yeah, Chris Bryan did the thing. Jason Kingsley did the expansion. He pitched that to Randy as a way to to get uh, more interest in the game because he was actually part of the artist team for the original Lanterns. So he had come up with different modules and I thought that was, okay, you know, that could work for the game. So I signed off on that and then they um, uh, made that happen. As for the dice game, uh, Chris Bryan pitched that to Randy with a different theme and Randy had said, hey, can we work this into Lanterns as a universe? And I was like, sure possible let's go with it and so i wasn't even thinking of rolling rights back then i knew it was kind of at a um a growing uh, trend in the industry that rolling rights were becoming a thing but i personally had no interest in it so when it was pitched over to me i was like yeah let's do it so it was kind of funny that lanterns kind of came up on its own but also is supported by a couple more products and we kind of made this whole lanterns universe but on the flip side I had been working with Eric Lang uh, on the side as well because I've been hanging around his office back then. You know, he invited me once or twice or a few times and said, I want to work on a Bloodborne the Card Game expansion because he was the yeah. original designer of Bloodborne the Card Game. And he pitched me the chance to work on it. So it was almost full circle that I worked. I didn't have my original game. I didn't do the expansions, but yet I helped on the expansions for not only Bloodborne, but also for My Little Pony as well. So it, it's interesting how things come kind of come up, uh, up in this industry for me, at least. Yeah, I was going to say, that's incredible. And once again, I am so jealous of the Toronto area. You guys have so <laughs> many designers. <laughs> yes, we do. It's so cool, though. Especially to like see your initial game just become like a line of games must have been pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's always... Um, in the back of my head as one of those games where it can kind of sit on a shelf and you realize that, oh, a lot of people like yourself, um, it's an entry-level game that I've not only introduced uh, successfully to other people, but other people have successfully introduced to others. And one of the funniest things that I can remember from uh, Renegade was uh, the, at that time, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, no. He's going to kill me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. Wayne Wright. Sean. There you go. Sean Wayne Wright. He's an avid fan of Lanterns. Uh, when he was working with Renegade, he kept on telling me, it's like, hey, Chris, I really love Lanterns. I play it like almost every day and night. And on my phone, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, dude. And so he also uh, owns a game store as well. So he was constantly showing Lanterns to his customers, he and his wife, Patty. And so like I have 
that I know I'm going to get flack for this, but thank you, Sean. Uh, it's like, I haven't talked to you in a while, but thank you for being such a champion of lanterns. So that's so cool. That's so amazing. So how long in total do you think it went from that initial game jam where it was Blossoms going into the Kickstarter being fulfilled and it going out to customers? Like how long in time-wise do you think that took? If I had to estimate, probably about 16, 17 months, uh, just because there was a lot of playtesting from when uh, the game jam came about. um, And then especially the rejections upon rejections, you know, that game kind of, sound on the shelf for a little while um when it was signed by randy it was a relatively painless process and because like you know um there was just a lot of the game was done it was just a little de- bit of development tweak with the scoring with the wild colors etc uh, but most of the time he was focused on getting the art and the art was done beautifully by best Sobel. so ultimately from then they had to talk with Scott about distribution and manufacturing for the game because, you know, that's how a game gets the shelves. But if I had to estimate, probably around 16 months. Of course, I, I can't remember. It's, it's been all been a blur from way back when. But um, when the game was actually released, it was kind of a monkey off my back because that game sat with me for so long. And what's funny is that one of the publishers who I pitched to Blossom, uh, they had rejected it because of the theme. They told me, or told uh, Randy at least, that when Lanterns was released, they kicked themselves. They said, we had a chance to publish this game, and they did yeah. not. So. That's so funny. I actually work with someone who rejected Wingspan, and he kicks himself too. So you know, wow. Okay, <laughs> I know, right? so funny. But I also I believe that certain companies are meant to have certain games. Like I really don't think Wingspan would have become as popular had it not been in the hands of like Jamie Stagmeyer getting it to where it became Wingspan. Exactly. Yeah, I just. I feel like different people would do different things to it. Because even one of my games, someone tried to sign it when it was already signed. It was like, sorry. And then they showed me how they would want to do the art sign. It would have looked so incredibly different. And I don't even know if it would have been like the same game. I feel like where it ended was great. But it's always kind of cool to see like there's a different pathway it could have taken. Yeah, exactly. That's that's very interesting because um, that only reminded me as well because had I shown Scott lanterns i think that uh scott would have picked it up himself uh but now that i know that he's interested in lighter games because he picked up uh, lotus from uh, uh jordan and mandy um flower th- uh, themes are coming back for sure so there was a chance <laughs> that's so true but hey it ended up how it needed to plus i mean it's yeah. gorgeous and i like the theme it's not overdone so that's Thank good mm-hmm. that's amazing and so then, how do you feel the game is doing now since it has been quite a few years since it initially came out? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's definitely, I think in my mind, reached the status of Evergreen. Um, it won't sell as big as Ticket to Ride or Catan or whatever. Those games are giants. Um, but at least it's gone through several several print runs, gone through so many... Um, translations and even got a um a new cover thanks to the uh, russian um, publisher who picked it up uh oh, that cool. cover is absolutely gorgeous uh, by the way uh, but uh yeah it's it's definitely been there done that 
and it's still selling quite well. Uh, there is also an iOS Android app um, to support it. Uh, it comes with its uh, own little um, kind of story mode or campaign mode where you can go through different quests and achieve uh, certain things based on your combinations and when you score. And uh, it's also got the expansion in there. So it's a nice little um, way to get your lanterns fixed. Um, what was kind of a, a recent seat bias event for me was I had met one of my favorite Twitch streamers in person uh, a month ago. And uh, she came, she's uh, now staying in Toronto for a little bit. But I had gone to, uh, with her to um, Snakes and Lattes uh, with a bunch of friends. And I said, hey, I actually designed one of the games at Snakes and Lattes. So we played it, and she's quote unquote now my biggest fan. But <laughs> truthfully oh, told, so there's no way I'm her. I'm her biggest fan, and especially because she has a cute little rabbit, I'm its biggest fan as well. So <laughs> <laughs> you got to split attention between the, the rabbit and the Twitch streamer. Exactly. So funny. Is it a gaming like a board game Twitch streamer? Would I know them? Uh, no, but uh, she's famous for playing. Um, uh, Bloodborne, Elden Ring, and Dark Souls with a DDR dance pad. Oh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That is very fascinating, but very cool. Mm. Okay, so then, all right, this game is, I mean, it's basically, it is, I would say it's an evergreen. Like, I would classify it under that. But what do you think was your favorite and your least favorite experience during the design of this game? Ooh, okay. Tough questions. Uh, the Probably the favorite one, aside from the one that just happened, was when it was announced for um, Tabletop. So back when Tabletop was featured, like an amazing show on YouTube from Will Wheaton and co, um, they had actually decided to uh, feature Lanterns as its season four opener on a Twitch stream that I had kind of hijacked basically i was looking in the channel yeah. and i was like hey thanks for playing lanterns i'm chris uh it's really nice to meet you guys and so and so and they said hey chris uh wouldn't it be cool for us to play lanterns on tw- uh, tabletop and i was like yep that's pretty cool <laughs> so right then and there i i think the plans were already in place to have it uh, featured in on tabletop just because will had liked it and played it with his family but that was a nice point of validation to be like, yeah, I, uh, I did something cool. And then there was a really funny so episode cool. um, in and of itself. So basically, uh, I believe Ivan and Norman started throwing uh, lanterns at people. So that was the thing that happened. Uh, <laughs> but I think the hard one, the most kind of draining and sore part of lanterns, I guess it would have to be um i guess all the rejections because it's it at back then i didn't have the resources to go to conventions to or to pitch it and a lot of people kept on telling me back in my young game design career that going to conventions was really kind of the way to get your game noticed by publishers yeah and so when i was starting out i just had an email cold call basically i had to basically cherry pick which publishers to pitch for if they had a game submission form on their site or if they had an email i could drop them to so it was only by a stroke of luck really that lanterns was um, published but um 
you, uh, it's a saying that you kind of make your own luck. So had I not had a pretty strong um, Twitter following at that point and the connections that I made over Twitter, then it probably wouldn't have been noticed as easy as it, it could have. Um, so yeah, it's definitely... it. If I had to go back, I would probably hit the convention line sooner. But of course, you know, um, when you're starting out, conventions can be really daunting, especially if you're a new designer who has nothing behind their name. Uh, it can be really hard to grab the attention of uh, publishers. I will definitely second that. I know when I first started, I had the same issue. It's also expensive and it takes mm-hmm. like time to go to conventions. And I know for anyone listening, a way that I did it is I actually volunteered for like different game booths to just like mm-hmm. different publishers. So that way I would work like, I don't know, four hour, six hour shift. And then during the time I didn't work, I would try to reach out to those publishers, basically how you did it, like cold call almost, or I followed them on like Twitter or Facebook or something. And then they would post like, Hey, here's my meeting link, like fill yourself in there. And then I'd introduce myself or after the convention, when I wasn't working the exhibit hall, I would find ways to get invited to whatever industry party, or I'd find out like what bars the people were working or like not working at, but just hanging out at and try to like, get some FaceTime with people. Cause really it is like that. It sucks. The networking is super important and it's mm-hmm. something that not everyone has the chance to get to. And I feel like the, one of the only good things about COVID is that kind of got a little bit better is we now can do a lot more digital pitching and a lot of uh, publishers now have like a monthly, Hey, here's a day, fill in your name. And like, we'll talk via zoom or Google meets or whatever. Yeah. But exactly. I, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. So about the Twitter, though, uh, you said you had a Twitter following. How'd you build that? And why do you think it helped? I think organically what I did was follow everyone in plain sight. If you were connected to a, uh, a tabletop game, whether you're a publisher that I knew of or like you, a content creator or designer that I bumped into once or twice, I just followed everyone. I, I literally looked at Senfun Lim's Twitter account because he had a big one back then and said, follow, 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 follow. And then they started all following me back based on like my tweets. So like I would tweet at something about my rambling of game design. You know, it wasn't necessarily helpful to anyone, but at least I was engaging with them. And I was spending a lot of hours just parsing through my timeline, just interacting with people. If I can give my like two cents as a, burgeoning game designer um hey maybe i can help out that way and so i maybe have amassed at least two thousand followers back then before uh lanterns was signed so it was it was definitely helpful because a lot of publishers took notice of me through twitter um because i was talking about my prototypes uh, on and off kind of thing that's so awesome. I stuck more to Facebook groups, but also I should be better at Twitter because <laughs> I <laughs> can tell it is really good for game designers and I need to be better at it. Mm-hmm. So now that uh, Twitter has unfortunately been taken a, a toll for the worse, I guess, uh, in which, whatever way you see it, uh, a lot of uh, people have switched over back over to Facebook and we have a really big following on Facebook uh, with the game, Board Game Design Lab and board game uh, design guild and all that stuff. So yeah, a lot of friendly people on Facebook as well. So true. All right. Well here, if you could give one piece of advice to other designers, what would it be? Ooh, 
Uh, definitely the one thing is that a lot of first-time designers try to do too much. Uh, So way back when I did the same problem, you know, with my first game, I tried to throw the bathtub in with all the bathwater. Basically, I had a game where I had several things going on that didn't make sense. But what I should have done is I should have done the what I call the minimum viable prototype or in entrepreneurial terms, the minimum viable product. Uh, So what I can get to the table fast enough that I can get eyes on and get that rapid um, uh, circle feedback. I I want to go for as fast as possible. So the way that I'm prototyping now, although I'm focusing my efforts on my little pony, I'm actually working on a game design that I had back from 2014 worked on and, uh, took it off until 2017 did another um, uh, version of it back in 2020 the world stopped and now I'm coming back to it in 2023 uh, so this game has kind of taken a, a, another life on its own again but I'm going at it from the very basic prototype again because if I do too much I know I'm going to falter back on what uh, pains I had before um so if you can kind of say like okay i really want such and such to be in my game but if you're spending all that time trying to fit something that ultimately maybe won't even fit into your game later on it's better to start from simple as much as you can and then build outwards rather than having to go backwards sometimes i'd go backwards but you know i'm trying to follow my own device uh advice too yeah, I've definitely had, I'm currently trying to bring back a lot of designs from my earlier design days where I'm just like, wow, I have gotten a lot better at designing games. And so I have been better about chopping away the fat of some of those games. <laughs> exactly. And uh, mm-hmm. funny enough that this prototype that I'm working on is about flowers. So it's kind of nice. ironic that I'm trying to bring it back. Uh, and if this game doesn't work, then uh, I'm done with it. <laughs> That's fair. Or you could try adding a co-designer. I definitely have found that sometimes when I'm stuck, just adding another perspective has helped me personally. Yes, Ashley, you reminded me. Funny enough that one co-designer on this game was Mr. Lang. Um, so we have a version together of this game uh, that we haven't touched. But hey, if this version doesn't work, then maybe I come back to him. There you go. That's still so cool. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Well, then do you have any other projects that your fans should be looking out for then? Uh, for My Little Pony specifically, uh, if you want to follow that line, uh, it's not a game just for bronies. Uh, there is a, you know, a core audience that we have that enjoy My Little Pony. But even if you're not a fan, uh, this game has been uh, in the works for a long time with uh, the design team over at Renegade. And then they've done an amazing job uh, because not only have they put out My Little Pony Detect, but a game for um, an RPG for My Little Pony. But they work on G.I. Joe, Power Rangers, and Transformers. So if My Little Pony is in your jam, uh, definitely check out any of those deck builders. Really good times. Uh, but we're, we're currently working on um, three expansions for My Little Pony already. Uh, two have been out on retail. And the third one is has been announced for release uh, in March. And then we just announced the crossover expansion to My Little Pony 
uh, crossovering with Transformers. So that's pretty exciting to work on a uh, another IP that is beloved by the uh, the community and the fan base. So I'm really excited to bring that to life. And then for my own stuff uh, outside of Renegade, um, not so much. Hopefully, I will be able to pitch my huge two to three hour Chinese war game that I've been working on, heavily inspired by Mr. Eric Lang himself. Uh, But yeah, it is a daunting game. I haven't found a publisher for that yet, but if I can make it work because it's really near and dear to my heart, it has um, Mahjong tiles, hopefully, because I was heavily inspired by my family because my grandma was a huge influence in my life. Uh, She really loved Mahjong. So if I can make this war game work, with all the bells and whistles, then that'll be something. That's awesome. I personally do not know if I will ever design something that'll take that long because playtesting, how do you find playtesters for that? Yep. Uh, usually with a bit of uh, unnecessary coercion. I was going to say bribery. Marketing. Yeah, <laughs> there bribery go. is also a good word too. <laughs> nice. Well, that's awesome. I hope it does end up finding a publisher. Thank you. All right. Well, then for my last question of the show, if you could be a designer uh, that made a game that isn't one that you already designed, which game would you choose? Codenames. Um, oh, okay. Funny enough that uh, I met Vlada at, I believe, Origins. And I told him, man, this game is absolutely incredible. Like, congratulations. Like, I love it so much. Uh, and I have the utmost respect for Vlada because even though I haven't personally played Galaxy Trucker, Space Alert, or any of his other heavy games, but to just change his philosophy over to any game he wants to design and put out, um, it's just incredible what he did with a party game and to captivate audiences around the world with it. uh, Even though it's a word association game, which, you know, uh, that in of itself is a hard sell for a lot of people, but the game is absolutely brilliant. So it's one of those games where it's deceptively simple. There's so much going on that you're like constantly struggling against your opponents. And um, it's just such a clean design. Like if, if you told me that a word association game could sell that well and be a hit party game in the century, I would have, told you you're crazy because most of the party games are like oh werewolf and oh like you know cards against humanity like those kind of games codenames where it's at and i i absolutely i wish that was one of the games that i had come up with first i do love that game i do not like the after dark version of it though because (laughs) it is so hard it's all sex jokes and like alcohol jokes and i'm just like it's very difficult (laughs) to play yes and especially if you're playing with people you don't know just yep. to come up with those words that you don't necessarily want to paint yourself with. Uh, yeah, that could be very interesting. Oh, yeah. But I do love Codenames. That is definitely one of my favorite party games. And actually, it helped inspire one of my designs that's coming out this year. So that's kind of funny. Ooh, okay. I, I should look at this then. <laughs> well, I liked how they built their grid of mm-hmm. like where the traps are, of, like the blue and the red team and like the spy or whatever. So that part of it is what inspired uh, a game that's coming out later on uh, this Excellent. year for me. But yeah. 
Well, awesome. Uh, thank you to the audience for joining us for this episode of Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 61, Lanterns, the Harvest Festival. And thanks again, Chris, for joining us. Anyone trying to find you on specifically Twitter, but anywhere else, where can you be reached? Yeah, I think Twitter is probably the best for me. Um, you can find me at C Chung Games. So that's C C H U N G uh, Games uh, at Twitter. So hopefully i uh, getting a few new followers here, but uh, usually uh, now that's baseball's coming up, uh, I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but the Blue Jays are doing well this year. It's just spring training, I know, but they just beat the Philadelphia Flyers 16 to four today. They beat the uh, Detroit uh, Tigers 18 to something yesterday. So I'm super excited for this team. So I'm probably going to be tweeting about hockey and baseball more than I do game design nowadays, but you can still find me there. Oh my god, that's so funny. I actually went to a Blue Jays, um, oh my gosh, game. I almost wanted to say a different word, uh, with Daryl Andrews over the summer. And it was super fun to like experience it with him and the fandom. Because I am someone who prefers to play sports than watch them. But if I do watch them, I'd want it to be in person because you can feel the energy of the fans. So that's cool. Exactly. And Daryl, oh my gosh, my rival in game design. Uh, what's <laughs> <Really>? funny, <laughs> uh, not necessarily rival, I guess, but... Um, <laughs> When uh, Snakes and Lattes had the um, their Catanathon, basically their uh, initiative to play Catan as a marathon, however many number of hours that took, took I think it was uh, about twenty four hours, if not more. Um, one of the goals uh, for the Catanathon was to raise money for cancer, and you could pledge to rename the robber to anything you want to. So Mr. Andrews decides to name the robber. Um, Chris Chung believes Sagrada is prettier than Lanterns. And I heard this story. Oh my yeah. god, <laughs> that's so funny. So we've been going on back and forth about what's your prettier game. Obviously, Sagrada's pretty, no doubt. But I'm a little biased here. Um, so uh, it's just a little tip for that there. But he's an amazing guy. I would love to hang out with him more, um, and especially at a sporting event because he's such a huge baseball fan representing um, Team Canada at the Baseball World Series. Oh, sorry, no, Baseball Championship, World Championship. There you go. Um, but he was the uh, de facto Canadian fan. So I'd love to, you know, uh, just joke around in game design with him, but also prove that Lanterns is prettier than Sagrada. <laughs> I'm going to stay out of this fight. I can't. <laughs> I will say the Sagrada app is really pretty. So I'll have to check out the uh, Lanterns app and compare it. Definitely. Sweet. Well, I'm your host, Danielle Reynolds. And if you're trying to find me on social media, uh, probably Instagram and Twitter is the best. And you can find me under the name Token Gamer. And that's spelled G-A-Y-M-E-R. And yeah, so thanks again, Chris. This was super fun. I'm glad we got to chat. Thank you for having me, Danielle. This was such a pleasure. <laughs> of course. Thank you for joining Danielle for another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. Join us next time.